SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Uh, as the season gets nearer, we are finishing up our 2019 reviews and 2020 season previews. My name is Brian Stone. I am joined, all, as always, by Matt Miguez. Matt, say hello to everybody at home. Sunbelt Nation, what's up? Brian, good to be with you, man. Yeah, so today we are talking about the Troy Trojans, which, if you listen to the end of our last episode, uh, a very difficult team to get a handle on, uh, looking at their results from last year. Um, But it was Chip Lindsey's first year as their head coach. So, you know, I I think I can boil it down to this, Matt, looking at their, their schedule, if you were a team that played Troy last year and you had an explosive offense, you won that game against Troy. If yeah. your offense didn't show up, you did not win that game against Troy. Right. You know, um, just right off the bat, if you look at their first game against Campbell last year, you know, like you said, if the offense shows up, you have a good chance of winning. Otherwise, you don't. And that showed up perfectly. You know, the the Camels only showed up and put 14 points on Troy. Troy put 43 so, you know, that that's a that's a prime example. And another one that I can think of is later on in the year, and you know, we'll talk about it more in depth a little later, but when Troy came to Lafayette. Yeah. Their, their offense didn't show up, ours did, and we we know what happened there. So yeah, I mean that that's a perfect way to describe their season last year. Well, part of it too, and and we've talked about this with kind of the middling Sunbelt teams within the conference, part of their Achilles heel with a lot of these teams and and with Troy is just the defense. I mean, their defense was, I mean, it was atrocious last year that, you know, they allowed 34.8 points per game uh, to opposing teams, which was good for 117th. Uh, in the country out of 130 teams. So there were only 13 teams in the entire country defensively worse than Troy was last year. God, that is not good. It's not. And, and that that's part of what I, you know, what I was kind of saying that if you were a good offensive team, like a Louisiana, like an app state, uh, you know, even Georgia state, when they caught Troy at that point in the year, Dan Ellington hadn't been hurt yet. It, you could put some points up on Troy. It just depends on, you know, how quickly you're able to score those points and if Troy can respond in time. And a lot of these games that didn't go their way came from an inability to respond uh, when when a team kind of punched them in the mouth to start with. Yeah, um, you know, that's, that's almost exactly how it went. You know, again, I go back to the game with Troy and Louisiana strictly because I just know it so well. Um you know, we, we jumped out to a huge lead early on. And, you know, I was kind of sitting there in the second quarter thinking, hey, you know, I'm comfortable with this lead. But at the same time, Troy's a team that can easily come back from this. And they just never did. Well, one of the big problems with Chip Lindsay's first year as head coach here was uh, just consistency. You know, um, obviously there's a big disparity uh, between – you know, Texas State and Louisiana. However, in back-to-back weeks, if you're able to score 63 one week against Texas State and then turn around and only be able to score three points against Louisiana, you've got some consistency issues. Yeah, 
There, there's no question. I mean, if you just look at the previous couple of games, you know, they scored 33, 35, 49 against Georgia Southern, 63 against Texas State, and then you're only putting up three against Louisiana. I mean, that's just you, – you had one, two, three, four, five games where you scored 30 or more points in a row, and then you won't, you can only manage three. Well, I think it's interesting to, to note uh, Troy didn't win a game uh, when they scored fewer than 34 points last year. Um, so, you know, they had to hit that 35-point mark to even kind of give them themselves a shot to give at winning these games. Right. Uh, so just going down the schedule really fast, uh, you mentioned Campbell to start off the season. Uh, they had a shootout loss to Southern Miss in the second game of the year, 47-42. Uh, and then came back with a, you know, this is kind of the key to their season. They had a real yo-yo to start the, the year. Uh, game three, they go beat Akron 35-7. Uh, to seven. And then to close out the first four games of the season, they open the, the Sun Belt slate with Arkansas State. And it's a 50-43 to 43 shootout that Arkansas State comes out on top of. But again, the, the key was just when their defense didn't show up, they really didn't show up. Right, you know, obviously giving up 47 and 50 in two losses isn't ideal for, you know, any any program. But, you know, if you look at it, especially just the first four games, you know, 47-42, 50-43, th- that's only a one-touchdown loss. I mean, one play earlier in the game, in, in each of those games, and Troy could have started last year 4-0. and Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and it was – it was surprising, I think, even though it was Chip Lindsey's first year, he did have, you know, Caleb Barker, uh, the quarterback returning. So you thought that there was a little bit of continuity there. Uh, however, you know, game two of the season, uh, their, their really talented running back, B.J. Smith, goes down with a knee injury and is out for the entire season after the Southern Miss game. Uh, so who knows how much that affected what they wanted to do offensively. Uh, but defensively, there there were really no excuses. I mean, they just they, they just weren't good. Yeah, they, they just they had a very down year defensively. And, and, you know, if you really look at the returning for this year, I don't know if it gets much better. Yeah. And, and so just looking through really quickly uh, the rest of the games in this season, I kind of really only want to touch on the wins because – you know, the losses were kind of just repeating ourselves when it comes to Troy's defense and, in, in, right. and their inability to, to stop other offenses. But I really want to touch on, you know, they beat South Alabama, uh, which, you know, congrats, but a lot of other teams did in the Sun Belt last year as well. Uh, they had one interesting loss that I did not see coming ahead of time, which was uh, Coastal Carolina. They lost a one point game. Yep to the chance uh you know and that's why i always kind of say when when i talk about coastal carolina they could honestly beat anybody on any given oh, saturday they're they're just a weird team that hangs around with a lot of these teams they probably shouldn't and every once in a while they'll surprise you and kind of just win a game they don't really have any business right. winning um but from there on their final two wins like i said to close out the season uh, they went. Uh, they welcomed Georgia Southern uh, to Troy and beat them by womp, a three touchdown womp, margin. Womp. And and that was you know we talked about it in depth on the on the Georgia Southern episode. I mean it was the case with Georgia Southern's offense being 
I mean, they're they're on a milk carton for the first two series of games. Like that, you can't find them. They they don't they don't score points. So it was really one of those things where Troy just they got out to a big lead, and Georgia Southern's not a passing. I know. I know that one broke your heart. It it did, but it also didn't surprise me because everybody and their mom going into that game was like, "Hey, you're definitely going to want to watch out for the game after Georgia Southern plays App," and that just happened to be it. And it happened in 2018, too. Uh, but honestly, that loss didn't surprise me all that much because I think Troy matches up really well with Georgia Southern. And their ability to score points really put us in a hole from kind of the yeah. outset. So, And Caleb Barker really, like, tore us up through the air. So yeah, uh, he, also... he, he, when, when he was on last year, he was, he was really clicking. Yeah, uh, so Caleb Barker, uh, you know, this this team with Barker uh, graduating is losing you know 460 pass attempts out of their number one quarterback. Uh, he threw for almost 3,700 yards, uh, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. Uh, you know, from a numbers perspective, he is he was one of the better passers uh, in the Sun Belt overall. You know, his yards per attempt were pretty high overall, and uh, and it it remains to be seen how much of a downgrade it's going to be, if at all, uh, to Gunnar Watson, who was named the Trojan starting quarterback uh, just about a week or two ago. So we'll see. We'll see what Gunnar Watson's able to do stepping into the shoes with Caleb Barker. Yeah, you know, I mean, I to to be completely honest with you, I don't know much about the kid, um, but clearly, if Chip Lindsey is putting the trust of the offense in his hands, then there's there's something special about him for sure. Yeah. So on the plus side, uh, you know, Barker only, or not Barker, uh, Gunnar Watson rather only ended up throwing 22 passes last year because Barker uh, was healthy, you know, for the entire season. But uh, they do return some pretty good weapons across the board for Watson to play with. Uh, like I said, BJ Smith returns for his. Uh, for another season uh, in 2018, he had run for almost 1200 yards and 13 touchdowns. So you are getting a talented running back uh, yeah. to pair in the backfield with Watson. Yeah, no doubt. And then, you know, I'm sure you're about to get to him, but you just, you can't overlook uh, Keelan Geiger over there in, in, in the wideout spot. I mean, I remember he, he tore some secondaries up last year. So I think he'll do, even though it's a new quarterback, I think he'll do the same this year. Kalen Geiger and Reginald Todd are good compliments for one another. Uh, Geiger is kind of a smaller, uh, a smaller inside slot type of receiver. Uh, He did lead the Trojans in receiving last year. Uh, But Todd, who, uh, who a while ago had transferred over from uh, Mississippi state uh, is six, five, two Oh five. And he's going to be, a problem on the outside for opposing defenses this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like you said, you know, Geiger and Todd are great compliments for one another. And, you know, I, I remember Todd last year contributing very well to Chip Lindsay's offense. And there's no reason why he doesn't do, doesn't do the same coming into 2020. So going back to the running game to pair with BJ Smith back there, they actually do return DK Billingsley as well. Right. Um, who ran for 900 yards last year and an average 5.8 yards per carry. So 
the number one thing is, you know, they were still able to to manufacture a running game even with BJ Smith going down after just two games played. But, you know, how much do you think these weapons with Todd and Geiger and Smith and Billingsley, how much do you think that's going to help Gunnar Watson ingratiate himself oh, as the starting quarterback? It's huge because, you know, there, there's there's a lot of teams that are so one-dimensional, you know, if they're if they're passing games out, they're done. If they're rushing games out, they're done. Have the ability to have both is crucial because say you're playing a team that's got a great secondary, but they don't have a great front seven. You spend that night running the ball down their throat. Yeah. The next week you play a good front seven but a bad secondary. All right, you're going air raid tonight. <laughs> like having so, having weapons in both areas is crucial especially for a new quarterback so i think too it, a lot of this is going to hinge on how much lindsey uh chip lindsey trusts gunner watson's arm and his decision making uh under center for the trojans because you know the way that this running game is set up if they want to go hypothetically pretty uh, conservative with with guys like Billingsley and BJ Smith they could do that too and and just sh- throw some short passes and and be conservative and do ball control so you know that might be the key maybe to helping out that defense a little bit is to to remove pr- possessions from the other team's offense yeah and you know what what blows my mind is you know we, we talk about last year Troy's biggest issue was their defense Man, I'm looking at their roster, and I'm looking specifically at the defensive players. It blows my mind because I remember these guys, and I've I, I see their names, and I remember you know their highlight clips from last year, or the year before, and the talent that these guys possess. I don't understand how their defense isn't very good. I mean, yeah. everybody all everybody knows that the Sun Belt Defensive Preseason Player of the Year is a linebacker for Troy, mm-hmm. Carlton Martial. Yeah. And then, yeah, so. you know, Terrence Dunlap in the secondary. You've got um, K.J. Robertson in the linebacking core as well. Like, these are guys that had big years last year and the year before. It just it, it makes no sense to me how their defense can struggle as much as it did. Well, coming from – and I'm not saying this about Chip Lindsey. Coming, coming from being a fan of a team that hired a lame duck coach, and again, I'm not saying that, that Chip Lindsey is that at all. Even just going from one coaching staff to another and adjusting a defensive scheme can just change everything. You know, and and that might have been the case last year with Troy. Um, you know, defensively – they they the weird thing is they kind of struggled both stopping the run and the pass to an extent which is which is kind of hard to pin down then because teams are running for an average of 160 on the ground against you but they're also throwing for 276 yards per game so right. it it's hard to pin down what the issue may be if both sides like that are are struggling maybe it's an issue you know, it could be a scheme issue. It could be something that they ironed out over this off season. I'm not, I'm not willing to put that out of reach for them to do, but I agree. It kind of looks like at this point, it's Carlton Marshall and everybody else on this defense. Right. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is bar none, 
the best defensive player in their locker room because he's very close to being I mean, clearly he's he's the preseason defensive player of the year in the Sun Belt. I think he and Demetrius Taylor from App State are gonna be the two guys that are gonna fight it out for the defensive player of the year honor. Yeah, and Marshall kind of kind of projects or or looks to me like a Sunbelt version of Darius Leonard. Uh, yeah. who plays for the Colts in the NFL, you know, he's able to obviously make a ton of tackles and always be in the right spot, but he can also rush the passer a little bit and drop into coverage. So Marshall seems to be kind of a complete player uh, at the linebacker spot for Troy, but I think their biggest loss just looking here uh, to graduation is going to be Marcus Webb, who played uh, both defensive end and tackle uh, for them last year. He also led the Trojans within sacks last year with seven sacks so you know for a defense that was already struggling they're gonna have to have some guys step up and help manufacture a pass rush as well yeah you know especially losing a guy that's versatile like that you you, that's definitely going to be a a hard gap to fill but like you said you know there's there's a reason that there's you know 75 80 guys on the on the roster however many however whatever the roster limit is you know we we have a we have a mantra here in, in Lafayette, next man up. You know, yep. you, you, you lose a gap. Yeah, it hurts, but there's plenty of guys in the locker room that can step up and fill that gap for you. So I think that has to be the mindset for the Troy defense in 2020. For sure. Uh, and they they obviously do have some players that are returning that might be able to kind of step up and take that next step on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll see – if their defense improves, I mean, even if it even if it improves at a st- slow but steady pace as the season rolls along, right. you know, this team could go from a five and seven team to a seven and five, eight and four team just yeah. like that. Yeah, just I mean, co- coaches, you know, having having a parent that's a that's a coach, you know, all the, all you ask for is that you get a little bit better every week. Yeah. So, Absolutely. like you said, as long as their their defense can show steady improvement and get just a little bit better week in and week out, like you said, it, that could turn their whole season around. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, looking at their s- schedule for this year, their slate, uh, you know, it projects as, you know, kind of a tough schedule uh, overall uh, just for them. And I say that because – you know, starting off, they are going to be one of those teams like a Georgia State who's going to miss essentially what kickoff weekend would be for everyone else, which is the 12th. So their opening contest is going to come on the 19th. They're going to go to Murfreesboro, Tennessee and face Middle Tennessee State uh, on the 19th in their opener. Uh, you know, Middle Tennessee State really did struggle last year. Uh, but how much do you think uh, missing, you know, kind of that first week of the season, you know, the 12th when everyone else is pretty much kicking off. How much do you think that that could kind of set them back and and have them playing catch up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely it definitely throws a, a wrench in your plans because, you know, usually schools, you know, schools like the Sun Belt, that opening weekend is usually a tune-up game. See where you're at, see what, what holes need to be filled because, you know, there's no true – showing of what what you have like a game Mm -hmm. um you know our original schedule september 5th we were supposed to play mcneese but Mm -hmm. the southland canceled their season so now 
our opening game is on the 12th in Ames, Iowa against Iowa State. Not really yeah. a tune-up game. No, absolutely um, not. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, if I'm Troy with the way Middle Tennessee struggled last year, I'm taking the, the game again on the 19th as their tune-up game. That's mm-hmm. going to be a game to see what you have and where you're at because on the 26th, you go to Provo to play BYU. And that's going to be a tough one. Uh, no, no matter no matter how B, how good BYU is, they are always a tough team to play. And I know that there might not be fans in the stands, but that's a tough environment to play in. And BYU every year kind of just feels like that team and that seems like they could just beat anybody on any given week. Absolutely. And it's the reason that a lot of these big teams avoid scheduling BYU. Uh, but – Troy is going to have their hands full, I agree, uh, at Provo at night uh, for a 9-15 kickoff. Uh, on the, on the so, mothership. So that is going to be a test for them. Yeah. Like, if, if Middle Tennessee is a tune-up, then their tests start weeks, week two. So, And then you've got um, three easy games after that one. Yeah, so, so you know, you get uh, South Alabama – you travel, but it's not traveling that far going from Troy right, to Mobile. Hours. Yeah, you keep it in state. Uh, then you get two home games uh, against Texas State, who struggled last year and kind of projects as struggling again this year. And then you face FCS Eastern Kentucky at home. You know, there's a good chance they start this season, what, 4-1 and one with a loss four to BYU? One. Right. And and even maybe five and one because the next week you play Georgia State. That's a winnable home, game, yep. which is a winnable game for a team that looks like they're kind of trying to reload uh, across the board. So there's a chance they kick off this season five and one, especially if their defense improves marginally from how bad it was last year. Yeah, you know, like like you said, I think that's going to be the biggest key is how much does their defense improve? Because you know we talked about the offense; they're losing Caleb Barker but you still have all the weapons. And, you know, I've said it in previous episodes. If you have weapons in the in both the wide receiver and the running back position, it really doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Yeah. In, in, in my opinion, because, I mean, as long as you get it to your impact players, I mean, your offense is going to run just the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is when you have a great quarterback and nobody to help him out. That's yeah. that's when, that's when you get in trouble. But if you yeah. have a decent quarterback and great weapons, you're going to be fine offensively. Mm-hmm. So so going forward, uh, they actually have two you know good opponents uh, from there on. They play at Arkansas State on the on the thirty first of October, which is Halloween, uh, and then they face Georgia Southern in Statesboro, November seventh. You know, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked to see Georgia Southern drop this game to Troy again. Uh, Ooh, Troy, at home, Troy has given us issues every single time that we've played them since we've joined the Sun Belt. It's never been a comfortable win. Uh, in my eyes, it's the Georgia, always the Georgia Southern writer says that they're going to drop a game in Paulson to Troy. No, I just said it, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Um, I think 2014 was the last time when we played Troy at home when we joined the Sun Belt that year. I think that was the last time I felt 
comfortable with a win over Troy uh, because I, wow. I don't think Troy was very good that year. But every other year, it's been a close win for us or it's been a blowout win for them, it feels like. So, I mean, it's it's that's kind of just how those games go. Right. Um, but then, you know, to close out the three games that I was saying, you know, the the one tricky game, you know, they have to play Coastal at home. And Coastal, like I said last year, eked out a one-point win in a game they probably shouldn't have. So right. they need to be on the lookout uh, upset watch against Coastal as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, you know, if, if people are following along, you know, looking at the schedule as we're discussing it, your eyes do not deceive you the following week. Um, Troy has scheduled a home and home in the same season with Middle Tennessee. Yes, which is uh, very, uh, very weird. extremely unusual, <laughs> right? But you know that that's perfect for twenty twenty, isn't it? For sure. Uh, so that lo- I mean, obviously, we talked about Middle Tennessee already, so that looks like a winnable game, obviously. Uh, and that could be two free wins right there. I mean, hypothetically, if you get through this slate to the second Middle Tennessee game, I mean, they could be, what am I looking at, 7-2 and two at that point? You know, 8-1 and one if they end up being Georgia Southern. So, I mean, the only game that looks like it could give them real trouble through the second Middle Tennessee game, to me, is Arkansas State. And I think yeah. it's because they're so similar in the way that they play. And it's at Jonesboro, right? And, and Arkansas yeah, State, I think, I think has the edge in the quarterback category. You're probably seven and two at that point with losses to BYU and Arkansas State, which I mean, yep. God, seven and two in the East, you're hanging right there with App State this coming year. Yeah, for sure. So they do actually have to play App uh, in their second to final game of the year. Uh, it's at Boone. That doesn't project to be a winnable game for no. them. So. So that would be a third loss, and then and they close the season uh, at UL or against ULM. Let me let me just commend App State on the work that they have done to Kid Brewer Stadium. Um, you know, it was already a a fine you know stadium, and they have just gone and made it ten times better uh, with with the new turf and then the. Um, the building that they're putting in the, I believe it's the south end zone, um, yeah, just just phenomenal work. So hats off to the to the App State athletic department, and that's just gonna make Kid Brewer a much tougher place to play. For sure. So uh, looking at the at this slate as a whole, what do you kind of project for Troy? You don't have to give you know, like a, like a standing at the end of the year, what their win loss is going to be. But do you think they're going to be in contention for the East uh, by the time they play app? And what do you think a measure of success would be for Troy this season? So to answer your first question, I think they could be um, as long as they don't get inside their own heads and, you know, give up games that they shouldn't. If they win, if they win the games that they're supposed to win, yeah, by the time November 28th rolls around, I think they're definitely in contention for the East, especially if they get a win over App. Um, and then in terms of a measure of success, I think just better than you were last year. Be be better than five and seven, and I think it's a, a successful year. Because um, like like I said earlier, just just be better than you were, you know, the day before, the week before, the year, whatever it is. 
um, just as long as you see improvement, I think it's a I think it's a, a successful year, especially since it's only Chip Lindsey's second year at Troy. I think in order for them to to say that this was a successful season, they would have to win at least seven games. And you know, if Middle Tennessee comes out and they're world beaters in the two games that they play Troy, maybe oh, yeah. that doesn't happen. Um, I don't see, I don't project that happening, but I think the way that Troy's schedule shook out, I think to, to win less than seven games would be looked at as a disappointment. So in my mind, I think if they win seven games or more, I think you can build on that and go into Chip Lindsay's third season, uh, as a head coach with kind of some momentum behind you, as well as if Gunnar Watson ends up being the guy at quarterback. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that that's going to be the the big key is is what can your what can your quarterback do and also what can your defense do uh, for Troy and then you know like you said if if both of those things are improved I think there's no reason that Troy doesn't win seven games in in 2020 for sure so wrapping up here uh, any last thoughts on Troy's uh, upcoming slate uh, and tell the folks where they can find you on social media. Nothing to add other than I hope they rock some dope uniforms because I'm going to tell you this, Troy has some of the best uniforms in the Sunbelt Conference. Um, and then, as always, you can find me on social media at Matt. Yeah, so that was that was pretty much my takeaway as well. I do like their uniforms a lot, and I think that they can get a lot of variance in their uniforms. But uh, to close out, uh, this has been Brian. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. Uh, next episode, not next week, next episode, we will be talking about the Texas State Bobcats. Uh, so... We will be back talking all things Sunbelt West with the Bobcats next time.